You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Uh, yeah, really happy for um, the whole Candow family. That was a big victory uh, two weeks ago, seeing Sharon baptized. That's a really special family, and we really care deeply about them. We want to say hello to um, a new sister that's moved in from the Lifeway ministry, uh, ministry Olivia. Uh, Olivia, can you put your hand up? Can we say hello to you? It's great to have you here with us. <laughs> Olivia just moved in, moved into uh, Playa del Rey, down to Playa del Rey. So we got to meet up last week at the park, and uh, it was a real treat to, to meet you and all the crew from uh, Lifeway there. We do have some uh, special people visit, visiting from Jakarta. Dion, Dion is here somewhere. Is that over here? And, uh, okay, over here, Dion, great to have you from Jakarta. Super. And we have Caroline from China. Ah, oh, great to have you with us, too. Yeah, great to have you with us, too. Really special. Today we are um, finishing our series on the seven miraculous signs from the book of John. And this is the last one. We are um, doing Lazarus today. And so for the last couple of weeks, John's been great, and we've been talking a lot about having visuals for people. It's like, wow, John, you know, that's going to be tough because I don't want to kill anybody. It's going to be tough to kill somebody and bring them back to life uh, for the sermon. It'd be a bummer if it didn't go well. But we did have a little bit of a Lazarus moment. Don't stand up, but Steve is with us today, (laughs) our faithful leader who we've been praying for. So, don't get up. (laughs) So, I appreciate the energy. I needed a Lazarus. You're my Lazarus today. No hugs for Steve today. We're just doing air high fives. We might need a student over there to sort of bodyguard him a little bit. uh, Make sure he gets out of here pre-Lazarus. You don't want to go pre-Lazarus. You don't want to go back into the tomb. So, uh, Steve, it really is, really is great having you here and the family. It means so much to us, and um, it, is, it is just really meaningful to see how God's moving in your heart and in your life and in your body. And we pray for more miracles, and we pray for um, our whole group to continue to get healthier and stronger. Amen. 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 Um, we're going to talk, yeah, like I said, about Lazarus. Before we get there, I want to sort of open us up a little bit with this idea. One of the things that the Hebrew writer describes about with Jesus is that in Jesus, you have all of God's glory. Somehow in Jesus, is Jesus contains all of God's glory. There's glory in Jesus. Before we had Jesus, of course, we're going through the Bible, and the Jews often are trying to listen to Him trying to find Him, trying to understand Him. And it's Moses that says, you know what, I really want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And God says to Moses in Exodus 32, 33 there, you know what, you can't handle it. It'll kill you. It's too much. So what I'll do is I'll just sort of pass by. You've got to sort of hide in the rock, in the cave there. And after I pass by, you can sort of, you know, glimpse around the corner there and see my back and it like burns him. 
That's a lot of glory. Okay, there's something, though, in the human spirit that longs for that kind of thing. To see. To know more. To experience more. A little bit of the Wizard of Oz story, right? She's, I want to I see the wizard. What's behind the curtain? What, what, what is the whole magic? What's the, where's all the magic come from? And so I think this is sort of a human thing that we're always wrestling with. Because we hate boredom. And if you're a young person, right? Teen, campus people. And we've got some adults that don't like boredom, right? Some adults get tired and maybe a nap would be great right now. But there's something about boredom that's terrible. You want to experience and you want to see and and you want to know. And this gets a lot of our young people in trouble. Because you want to experience and you want to see and you want to know. And oh no, I'm in trouble. But that's a really human thing to, to see more. To get a picture of the thing. And Moses longed for this, to to see His glory. And so today, again, here we are in this place with our lives and our senses. And how do we find more glory? Where do we see it? Where do you find it? If you want to find glory, where do you see it? The Bible says that we find glory in His creation. We find glory in His creation. There's just something about creation that's fingerprint stuff of God. There's something about, you know, I don't know, you could see a thousand pictures of the Grand Canyon or Yosemite, but you go and see it and it still takes your breath away. And you go, wow, there's just something amazing about God. God's bigger. God's more. God's really something. And I think there's something in death and resurrection in which we find His glory, and that's what we're going to talk about with Lazarus. But this is... um, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim His glory. The skies have a purpose. The skies are, are, are shouting. Hey, wake up! God is amazing. I don't know. Just listen. Just listen. There's something about God. You're going to find some of Him in the world, in His creation, there's glory in it. And Paul says this in Romans chapter 1. I've always loved this passage. This always really resonates deeply with me. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from His workmanship so that men are without excuse. There's something about seeing His glory that's supposed to speak to your mind, speak to your heart, open you up. Reflect back Luke 16 when you have uh, Lazarus and the rich man and Lazarus goes to heaven, the rich man goes to hell and the rich man's suffering and he says, God, please send Lazarus back to my family to warn them this is a terrible place and they need to save themselves. And Abraham says to the rich man, even if someone comes back from the dead, they're not going to listen. There's a callousness of heart. There's just a hardness of heart. We shouldn't wait or be holding our breath for the miracle to convince us that there's glory behind the curtain and that God is speaking to us. We should be able 
to just see and listen and know what a passage that his invisible qualities. How many invisible qualities are there? How would we list those? How would you measure them? His invisible qualities. His eternal power. Wow, what's the most powerful thing that you know? How powerful is God? Eternal power? I can't even I can't even get my mind around eternal power. We're getting excited about solar power when panels. How about eternal power? Divine nature? Well, I know my nature. It's pretty dark and shallow and limited and monkey brain, always distracted. I got a good thought. I got a good thought. Sandwich. <laughs> Did someone say sandwich? Wow. Wow. Monkey brain, always bouncing around. I want to know his nature, divine nature, more of his nature. Clearly seen. All right? So there's glory out there. Stop, reflect, pause, open yourself up. Find more God. Listen. Listen. And that brings us to Lazarus. Where do we find more glory? Let's read this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Everybody says, Amen. But look at this in uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. You know, in our congregation today, there are people that are sick. Some people literally have like a flu, and you'll be better in a couple days. Some people have chronic illness that you're going to live with your whole life. Some people spiritually today are sick. Some people's families are sick today. Some of us financially are not well. Some of us academically ill. (laughs) Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, this is great. Now watch this. You love how God and the Bible and Jesus are always connecting the dots. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now remember in Luke 7, we get this amazing, it's almost theater, where Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house, and Mary comes in, and and she's a prostitute. And she comes and into his presence, she comes into his presence, and she just... And she just starts weeping. She's just broken. She can't believe she's in his presence. Right in the scene, the Pharisees are watching him and sort of being critical and judging him. They're also trying to trap him. And she walks in. She's dirty. She's unclean. She's not fit even to be there. And, and she just falls down weeping. And she has a very expensive jar of perfume with her. And she just anoints Jesus' feet with this perfume. And then, I don't believe she planned to do this. And everybody's watching. Nobody's helping her. And now his feet are, you know, have all this perfume on it. And she doesn't have a towel. Nobody reaches over to help her and get her a towel or anything. And she just dries his feet with her hair. Not women, right? Our women, we have such great women. Our women always self-conscious about taking care of hair. And you don't like it when your hair is dirty. And, you know, you put a lot of effort and time into making sure your hair is right. And we make fun of bad hair days. Us guys, we get these haircuts. And we don't experience a lot of bad hair days. It's just the same hair day. 
But I can't imagine just pouring yourself out like that, just wiping his, his feet with your hair and everybody watching. Well, what was the point of all that? And then the disciples are a little perturbed, like, God, that's a lot of money. Um, maybe we should save some of that for the contribution. And no, no, she's doing a really... Let her alone. Leave her alone. And why is this happening? And, and Luke makes such a big deal. Ah! Because that's how Jesus gets connected to this family. She has a sister, Martha. And they have a brother, Lazarus. And they, they, they're following Jesus. They love Jesus. And they don't become, you know, part of that inner circle of apostles, like in his ministry right there every day. And so they send word back that, hey, the one that you love... It's sick. Verse 4, when Jesus, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, when you get sick, when I get sick, I never think, oh, so much glory. Give me more. Give me more. One virus is okay. How about three viruses? I never think that. God, take the pain away. This is miserable. This is miserable. It's hard to focus. It's hard to think, right? A lot of us do this. It's hard to be spiritual when you're in pain. It's hard to think about other people when you're in pain. It's hard to care about the people right in front of us when you're in pain. And Jesus is great. No, this is, this, is gonna, this is for God's glory. This reminds me of John 9, the healing of the blind man, when the question is, <clears throat> what's going on behind the scenes? Did he sin or did mom and dad sin? Why is, he being, why is he suffering? Why is he being punished? Who sinned? And Jesus says, oh, you guys don't get it at all. It's for God's glory that he's blind. And then Jesus heals him. Wow. It's for God's glory. And Jesus is going to use this whole thing for God's glory. And remember your life. Remember your life. Your life is always about more than your life. It's always about more. What's God trying to do? God's trying to reconcile the whole world to himself. Colossians 1. That's a big job. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, it's God's will that all are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. All right, well, we don't like pain, and we don't like being uncomfortable, but God's got this bigger plan. God's plan is always, my life's always about more than my life. How do we glorify Him? How do we find others? How do we make meaningful transformation and changes in our life? That's all the stuff that glorifies God. And so Jesus here's the one that, the one that you love is sick. Jesus is great. That's for God's glory. It's going to be for God's glory. She's not here, and so um, I get to talk all about Tanya. She'll be so upset. She'll be so upset. She always says, you've you got to share more nice stories about me when you're up there preaching. I need more nice stories. When Tanya, after Tanya um, had our second child, she developed a really severe case of fibromyalgia. Really painful. Really debilitating. And we went to um, a regular doctor, and they're like, we're going to just give you, this is so great, we're just going to give you a ton of steroids and muscle relaxants, and it's all going to go away. And she took them for like three days and thought she was going to die. <laughs> and then we went to one of the crazy doctors, one of the naturalists. 
And I was really resistant. I didn't know the name of this thing. I didn't know the name of the guy. And really, I just thought, I just couldn't stop making fun of him. I'm like, we're going to the witch doctor today. He's going to do some voodoo. And it's all going to go away, along with all my money. And we're going to get big boxes of vitamins and supplements. And we're going to be miserable. And he was really good. He looked at us and he's like, this is going to be one of the hardest things you guys have ever gone through. This took a whole lifetime to get to this place. And it's going to take her a long time to get healthy. And you've got to really commit yourself to becoming healthy. But then she's going to be so happy because it's going to be one of the biggest changes in her life. And she did. They put her on one of these really Spartan diets of um, lemon and cayenne and soup. And, and I was like, you've got to drink that all day? She goes, I'm supposed to drink this for three months, you know? And you, what's that thing? You've got to detox your liver and the bl- your blood's all messed up. And I don't know. Again, I'm like, this guy sounds like a witch doctor. And it's hard to believe in the thing. And, but you know what? When you get sick, and then you're sick and sick and sick, and, and then you have a healthy day, wow. That does transform you. And the commitment and the time that you put into trying to change your body and, and the humility of it that it requires and takes. And you do a lot of good things and then nothing happens and then nothing. Or it's really slow, it's small, it's incremental. Um, she's been sharing a lot about it. I really appreciate Catherine Shumps really working on her whole health. She's been working on her whole health and sharing with everybody what she's going through with her health and how transformative that's been with her. And again, God puts the spirit and the heart in a body, which is weird. Because the body's needy and it's weak and it's always demanding. It's got a loud voice. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Would you stop? I'm trying to have a moment, you know? I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. I know. You're the body. But there's something really powerful about that in which we're supposed to, I think, be humbled and then experience these moments. Experience these moments. Your life, your health, your illness. It's always more than your life. It's always more than your life. And then if you've gone through something serious and recovered, you always feel like you have so much to give back to people now. We're always asking why, 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 why. It's really fascinating to me in the book of Job, at the end of Job, Job does such a great job, and he doesn't get a medal or a trophy. And yet, whenever we're suffering, we always go, I'm so glad the book of Job is there. And we always, we always go right to Job, and we, we, we want to witness, watch a man, how he suffers with dignity and wrestling with God and trying to find purpose and meaning in it. And there's always meaning in whatever death or whatever illness is, is in our life. Okay, just food, just softening the soil, just softening the soil, and then I'm going to make a point. So in the Old Testament, the Jews did believe in resurrection, right? We sort of take Lazarus for granted. We're all familiar with Lazarus. Lazarus is like a meme. We all, everybody knows the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is like Titanic. We know it. We know, we know how it ends. But they didn't know it. And so before Lazarus, you had passages like these. Psalm 56, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. He sent forth His Word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit.
And many of those who sleep in the dust of earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and contempt. They believed. They hoped for. They knew that God was a God that was going to resurrect. That gave second life. That brought people back from the dead. And so then we have the whole thing with Lazarus, and it's just remarkable. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end to death. No, it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God would be glorified. Let's um, come on down. We're going to skip. He does a little bit of a speech about resurrection, about being the resurrection of life. And pick up here with me in verse 38. 1138. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha and the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you. That you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth wrapped around his face. Can you see it? Can you see it? And then Jesus said, take off his grave clothes and unbind him. Take off his grave clothes and unbind him. What a great thought. Okay. Church, weakness is where the magic happens. We don't really have much impact on the world when we share with them all of our strengths and we share with them all of our glory and we share with them all the, all the beautiful and pretty things about us. Uh, very few people on Instagram are becoming converted to Christians. It's all, it's all glamour. It's all glamour. It's all, it's all enamorment. And all this, we, don't, we don't share that on Instagram, our weak moments, or the places where we're vulnerable. Oh, we had a great time with the interns last Monday and we talked about, okay, you're going to go out and you're going to lead. You want to be successful. What's success look like? This and success looks like that. And success. Yeah, but you're going to experience um, periods of weakness. What makes you feel weak? What do you do with your weakness? And that's that moment. Everybody just sort of pauses. I hate talking about my weaknesses. I hate experiencing failure. It's so hard. I hate, it's hard for me to see other people succeed. That's difficult. Uh, it's hard. I come from a broken family. It's hard to see people in solid, stable families. But, but this is where he takes us. This is how he transformed this. Transformed this. Weakness is where the magic happens. And then Jesus says to him, unbind him. Unbind him. There's something about death that binds you. Death has a way of binding us. If you've tried to change and you're not changing, you feel bound. If you've tried to get out of debt and you can't get out, you feel bound. If, you, you, if you've tried to get through and be a pure person and not be on pornography and, and, and struggle sexually and you fail, 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 wow, you feel bound. If you're an addict and it's hard to stop drinking drugs, you feel bound. If you're a husband, you don't feel that you can say the right thing so that your family respects you, you feel bound. If you're a wife, you feel unloved and you can't be pretty enough and you can't do enough house and you can't do enough of the kids, you feel bound. 
If you're in a job and you're always overlooked and, and you've got a support role and nobody pays, you feel bound. Weakness binds us up. creates kind of a death inside of us. What I want you to do, um, I'm going to have the ushers pass out some 3x5 cards. I'm going to have the ushers pass out 3x5 cards. Go ahead, ushers, and let's throw these down uh, the aisle and let people... I want you to take a minute and think about the thing in your life that would make you feel like you were experiencing a resurrection. I want you to write down the thing in your life that you need a resurrection in. And take these home. Put them in a book. Put them on your mirror. As we leave today, grab somebody and talk to them about the thing that you're writing down. The place where you need a resurrection. The place where death is settled into your mind or into your heart or into your body. Jesus is here to resurrect us. But not for our glory. Lazarus' sickness was for His glory. And you will experience some relief when you change. But the bigger story, remember, it's always more than your life. The bigger story is His story. And let us be thinking about how God's trying to heal, change, resurrect us so that we can experience more. I remember really struggling with depression as a college student. You've heard me tell the story. And I was cutting myself with knives. And I almost died. I almost died. I said a prayer, and I wasn't a disciple, but that's when you pray. You're like, God, save my life. This is really terrible. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. If you save my life, I I want to do something meaningful with my life. I was so shallow and just chasing girls and wanting to be successful and be a basketball player. I didn't know I was going into the ministry. I didn't know I was going to do the things I was doing with my life. But I wanted to make a difference with my life. That was sort of my vow. God, resurrect me, save me. I want to help other people. My family needs so much help, but who's going to talk to them if I can't talk to them? Someone's got to talk to them. That's us. That's our role. To be transformed, to be resurrected, to take that back to our people, to take that back to our family. Last passage. And just jot down, again, your card. Be thinking about this passage as you jot down. Where do you need resurrection? What's dying? What would make you think you had a resurrection in your life? How do you need to be unbound? Jesus is right at the entrance of your tomb. Shouting your name. Glorifying God. Move the stone and let them out. The the psalmist says, You who have shown me many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. Psalm 71 Verse 20. Exhale. Think about being here today. There was a man named Lazarus that was raised from the dead. What did he do the next day? Or the next day? Or the next day? We don't really know. But his healing has brought so much glory to God. We're still talking about it today. Surrender your life, your health, your mind, your heart to Him. 
He's a God that resurrects. So that you can't have relief. He cares about that. But for the bigger story of still trying to reconcile the world and save all men's souls and bring them to himself. God bless you. God bless the church. So great having you with us today. Love you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.